Good day, everyone, and welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad that you've chosen to join us today. Reports of border control agents racially profiling people at the southern border are pretty common, and we've all heard those stories and the other horrors that immigrants face near the border with Mexico. But a new report by the ACLU of Michigan shines light on what's happening right here. Although the border with Canada doesn't grab nearly as many headlines, this report says Border Patrol here also uses racial profiling to target people in Michigan. The ACLU of Michigan calls this the first ever investigation of Border Patrol's Michigan operations. It's based on thousands of customs and border protection documents spanning nine years, including records of more than 13,000 stops, which detail which police agency initiated the stop, the location of the stop, as well as the national origin and the skin tone of the person who was apprehended. Joining me now to talk about this riveting new report is ACLU of Michigan attorney Monica Andrade. Monica, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. Thanks so much for having me on. So uh, let's just jump right into it. What does this study tell us about racial profiling at the northern border uh, of this country that uh, exists here in, in Metro Detroit? And what conclusions should we be drawing from it? Yeah, of course. So there's three main data points that came out of the report. Um, So Border Patrol operates far from the border. They engage in blatant racial profiling, as you said, and they're deeply entangled with local and state law enforcement agencies here in Michigan. I can go into more of those in detail. And so what happens in Michigan and what the data is showing is that based on Border Patrol's interpretation of what the 100 milestone is, they routinely are stopping, they're searching and arresting people here in Michigan including both U.S. citizens and permanent residents um, in encounters that are unrelated to border enforcement at all. And let's talk about that 100-mile radius. I'm not sure a lot of people necessarily understand what kind of jurisdiction Border Patrol has on an international border. They think, well, it's just the border itself or the area right around the border. But as you point out, it's far more extensive. Explain to our listeners how broadly Border Patrol can patrol our streets and, and stop people and, and make arrests? Yes. So CBP claims authority under a statute uh, to conduct certain warrantless searches within a reasonable distance of the border or from the border. And so that federal regulation uh, that interprets this was issued back in 1953 with uh, little deliberation, little review. And so what happens is that these outdated regulations define what a reasonable distance is, and that defines it as 100 air miles from any external boundary. But the agency is supposed to determine the reasonable distance by considering a variety of factors. But what happens in practice is that the agency is using 100 miles as the default, and it's failed to consider whether 100 miles is even reasonable. For example, in places like Detroit, where it's a major city that is next to an international border. Mm -hmm. And I think you're right. A lot of people would be shocked to know that uh, Border Patrol considers the entire state of Michigan based on the way that they read the 100-mile zone, and even more shocked to find out that they live in a border zone. Mm. And what does that mean when you live in this this border zone? What what is it that uh, the Border Patrol is empowered to do? within that area? Yeah, so Border Patrol in that area can set up uh, things such as checkpoints, 
um, and they can do roving patrols, for example, which is what a lot of the report is based on, these roving patrols. But what happens is that in practice, and as the report shows, Border Patrol routinely ignores or they misunderstand their limits of their legal authority and individual stops. Um, and, and it results in a lot of violations of our constitutional rights. And so, the, you know, back in the day, there was a lot of talk of this is a constitution-free zone, and that's not true. Uh, Border Patrol can argue that they're exempt from limitations, but they are wrong and they still have to follow the Fourth Amendment. Mm. And how involved are local law enforcement agencies with this kind of uh, with this kind of activity? You you made reference to that just a little earlier in the conversation, but but talk about how deeply teamed up and involved local law enforcement is with Border Patrol in these efforts. Yeah, so what we learned from the data analysis that is that our local, state, and our county law enforcement agencies are deeply entangled with Border Patrol. And so, for example, uh, arrests that were first initiated by a local law enforcement agency being involved, so for example, a traffic stop, those make up almost half of the arrests of the data that was analyzed. And then another data point was it's that MSP, so Michigan State Police, is by far the largest law enforcement agency that is responsible for initiating these kinds of detentions, um, roughly about 37%, uh, followed by Macomb County and then the Detroit Police Department. And when you say that these are the agencies that initiate these stops, in other words, they are pulling someone over and talking to them and deciding that there is a Border Patrol issue or an immigration question and and getting Border Patrol involved? So, Stephen, that's where there are some issues uh, arise. The two main reasons why Border Patrol is being called by MSP or any local law enforcement agency that is involved Um, The two reasons that are being cited are identification assistance and translation assistance. But the data there is also troubling. For example, in more than 30% of cases that involved identification assistance, the individuals were presenting some form of valid ID, but Border Patrol was still called anyway. Mm. And then for translation assistance, the the data there shows that in the 26% of cases that involved a Border Patrol agent being called to provide this translation assistance, not a single case involved people who spoke any other language other than Spanish. And so it appears to us, and the data strongly suggests, that these are just being used as cover to uh, hold people to then call Border Patrol. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm talking with Monica Andrade. She is an attorney with the ACLU of Michigan. Uh, we're talking about a new report that suggests very strongly that Border Patrol here in Michigan, along the border with Canada, uh, is indulging in the same kind of racial profiling that we are familiar with hearing about at the southern border with Mexico. Uh, We're talking about what that means for us who live here in Michigan, how extensive the Border Patrol uh, powers are here in Michigan, and what that means for people who are not just immigrants, but also U.S. citizens. As always, uh, we would love to hear from you as well. Uh, What do you think about interactions with Border Patrol here in southeast Michigan? I know a lot of people have interactions with Border Patrol here. I've been pulled over by Border Patrol before uh, in southwest Detroit. Um, Have you experienced something that you would call racial or ethnic profiling? Uh, What do you think needs to happen to address this issue of profiling or harassment Uh, by the Border Patrol. And give us a call and let us know how involved you think local law enforcement should be with helping Border Patrol in this uh, regard. Uh, The ACLU report finds a lot of crossover between a number 
of local police agencies uh, and that federal agency. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. And you can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or if you go to Twitter and put comments, we'll try to include you in the conversation as well. Uh, again, we would really love to hear from people who have had interactions with Border Patrol, been stopped by them, been questioned by them, and uh, give us a sense of why you think they stopped you. Give us a sense of what those interactions uh, were like. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Uh, Monica, before we go to listeners, uh, I want to talk about the distinction uh, here between um, immigrants and uh, U.S. citizens. Uh, in the report, you, you find that U.S. citizens are uh, are just as likely, I guess, to, to encounter Border Patrol and uh, and be questioned. Yeah, absolutely. The, what the data uh, shows in the report is that actually one in three, uh, well, one-third of individuals stopped were U.S. citizens. And so it's not just impacting our undocumented community. And then another 12% uh, that were stopped were here lawfully. And so in other words, half of those stopped by Border Patrol were either U.S. citizens or they were non-citizens who are lawfully present in the country. And really the only reason they were pulled over is because of the color of their skin and based on that they become suspect. Yeah. Uh, and in general, uh, would you say that the the goal of this is some form of harassment? I mean, in other words, is there no real grounding for the Border Patrol to be stopping as many people as they are and asking them uh, these questions or becoming involved in as many stops that other police agencies initiate other than to send a message uh, to to immigrants, legal or otherwise, uh, that they're unwelcome here in southeast Michigan? I think that's right, Stephen. If we just only look at, for example, the mission of Border Patrol here in Michigan, and that mission is to police the U.S.-Canadian border, but the data there shows that only 1.3% of people that the agency arrested initially enter without authorization from Canada. And of those that were arrested while entering from Canada, 50% were Canadian citizens and 20% were from another Europe, or from a European country. And so, in other words, even though the majority of people that are trying to enter Michigan without authorization are from Canada or other European or, or European countries, the records show that somehow Border Patrol targets its enforcement efforts on people of color who did not even enter the U.S. from Canada. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. Uh, let's go to Ed in Detroit. Ed, welcome to the show. There are serious problems with the 100-mile rule, and, and it may very well be time for the federal courts to take a look at that and determine whether it's still a reasonable distance today compared with when the rule was adopted, uh, was first uh, uh, supported by the courts. One of the problems is the courts accepted the Border Patrol's argument that they needed checkpoints to to defend uh, the immigration laws. And the court said these checkpoints should only be for the limited purpose of determining whether a person has a right to be within the United States. Over the last more than a half century now, these checkpoints have morphed into general law law enforcement checkpoints. 
where you will have state and local police looking for things that have nothing to do with whether you're lawfully in the U.S. Uh, and uh, it would be wonderful if the ACLU could, uh, could find a good case to take to the federal courts to see whether whether the, the courts are still willing to live with the decisions they made mm. decades ago. Mm. Uh, Ed, I really appreciate the call and uh, the observation and the, the questions there. Monica Andrade, uh, what do you make of what Ed's saying here? Yeah, I think that's right. Ed, thanks so much for calling in. You know, the ACLU has documented numerous cases of abuse by Border Patrol and filed lawsuits to get more information about uh, specifically what Ed is talking about, the checkpoints. Uh, our report covers a lot of the roving patrols, so just uh, Border Patrol agents roaming around our neighborhoods. But given Border Patrol's lack of transparency and accountability, um, and as he, as Ed mentioned, in the absence of any type of oversight, there's still a lot that we don't know um, about the impact of these types of enforcements. And so part of the recommendations that we asked for in the report is calling for this administration to fundamentally reform the agency. And um, additionally, we want to see the outdated regulations that we're talking about, the 100 milestone regulations, they need to be limited to keep Border Patrol out of our communities. And so, for example, one thing that can happen um, or should happen is that the Department of Homeland Security, they really need to hold public meetings to get public input on what distance is reasonable. I think ultimately our position is that if a regulation that outlines Border Patrol's authority um, affects uh, Detroiters and affects Michiganders, that authority needs to take into consideration the impact on residents that live in border communities like Detroit. Hmm. Yeah. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number. On Twitter, Big Neo asks, what has to happen to give the Border Patrol authorization to stop someone? Does some kind of traffic violation have to happen or do they have free reign to detain uh, people? That's a great question, Monica. How does that work? Yeah, so in order for a Border Patrol agent um, to pull someone over uh, for the purposes of an immigration investigation, they have to have what is called a reasonable suspicion. That's the standard. Um, But the records um, show that a lot of times Border Patrol agents are citing these arbitrary and nonsensical reasons why uh, they're pulling people over and they're using them as a pretext to pull people over. So, for example, and I keep getting in the numbers here, but, for example, in 19.2% of stops, the fact that a person was speaking Spanish or some other foreign language is what's used as a basis to meet this reasonable suspicion. Um, And in 76% of cases, what the Border Patrol agent does is that they cite a person's alleged reaction to having seen that agent or the Border Patrol vehicle. But what we see over and over and over again in the data is that uh, boilerplate language is being used by Border Patrol. And so what they do is, over and over again, we see individuals being described as, for example, the person was appearing rigid. They were staring straight ahead, which we hope everyone does when they drive. They looked at or acknowledged the Border Patrol agent, or they didn't look at or acknowledge the Border Patrol agent. And so again, in other words, either looking at the agent or not looking at the agent is viewed as suspicious. Um, And then in other records, uh, some of the templated language uh, simply cited the fact that a vehicle is registered to a woman. And so ultimately, the message that the data sends is disturbingly clear. If you are Black, if you're a person of color, any reaction to the side of Border Patrol or an agent or a vehicle is going to be deemed suspicious and used to justify a traffic stop. And it shouldn't be that way. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. Let's go to Sophia in Hamtramck. Welcome to the show. Hi, Stephen. Hi. 
Uh, yeah, I was explaining that uh, what happened to me was several years ago before you needed an enhanced license to cross the border into Canada. And uh, my brother and his wife were in town from Arizona, and she was born and raised in Mississippi. Uh, she's one of the uh, Mississippi Delta Chinese population. Mm. And so we went to dinner, we came back, we were asked our citizenship, and then we were told to park the car and come inside. And, uh, you know, they, they asked, you know, where we were born, and actually they asked her first. Mm. You know, where were you born? Where did you go to high school? And then asked the same of myself and my brother, and uh, they did let us go, but my brother was very angry because he said we were just profiled because Lisa's Chinese. Yeah, yeah. wow. Uh, and can you give us a sense of just how that felt, just the, the, the violation that I imagine that you felt uh, at that moment? Um, yeah, it was, it was just, it was really odd. It was, um, you know, we, we, couldn't understand why we were being asked to pull over in the first place and then as we left one of my, one of my brothers said Lisa was just profiled that's when it hit me like oh wow that is just what happened mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh <clears throat> yeah it's uh it's very disconcerting it's uh it's unsettling yeah. yeah especially now you know looking back on that and right now uh Lisa doesn't go anywhere unescorted because of the anti-Asian sentiment right now. So. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Sophia, I'm really glad you called uh, and, and shared that, that story. I think, you know, uh, whether you are being profiled or you're with someone who's being profiled, I think there is a real, um, a real effect on, on your outlook in terms of your place in this country uh, when that happens. Uh, again, thanks very much for the call and the comments. Let's go to Dan and Gross Point. Dan, welcome to the show. Hi, Stephen. Hi. Uh, a few years back, I was driving. I live in Gross Point Park, and I was driving down by the Riverside Park there, where uh, there's the one uh, large park, and then the place where everybody goes fishing. Uh, just going down there, and I always check things out, see how things are progressing. Pulled over by Border Patrol for no reason at all. Um, you know, I asked him what the reason was and, and why I was being pulled over, and it was simply because on my Honda Element at the time. It had a license plate uh, wraparound thing where the car was purchased from Victory Honda in Monroe. So he said I was being, uh, it was suspicious, and there was drug running from the Toledo area to Detroit, Mm. and he thought I was running drugs. Mm. And I said, well, if you simply would have ran my license uh, plate, you would have seen I live right here in Gross Point Park. So why am I being stopped? I can't even go to my own parts in the area without uh, being harassed. So eventually let go, but no reason, not speeding, nothing, just being pulled over for that simple thing. And my, my trust in Border Patrol is very little because I think they just look for things to do and, and pick and pluck right. and try and find stuff instead of really patrolling the border. Yeah. Dan, I really appreciate the call. I'm really sorry that happened. Uh, Monica, is this a, a type of dragnetting that the Border Patrol are engaging in, the kind of, you know, broad net being cast in order to just kind of catch random random people without a focus on real wrongdoing? Yeah, Stephen, I think so. If we look at the um, just the mass growth that the agency has had in the past two decades, decades it's, um, it's pretty phenomenal. 
Um, for example, in the Detroit sector, the number of agents has gone from 35 a- agents back in the year 2000 to about 404 um, in 2019. Mm. And so what we uh, realized is that that's a 1,054% increase. And so by far, that's the largest rate of growth of any Border Patrol sector in the country. And so what you have is a whole bunch of Border Patrol agents that don't really have anything else to do. And what they're doing is they're terrorizing communities. Uh, again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. Let's quickly take Rob in Detroit. Rob, welcome to the show. Hi, Stephen. How are you? I'm good. Um, so my story has to do with uh, it's a little bit off topic, but it's it's about the Border Patrol's uh, response at the airport. Hmm. Yeah, go ahead, Rob. Is from China, and. Uh, you, know, you go through the immigration first, right? And then you go after that through uh, customs and border patrol. So we had already gotten through immigration and we are now standing with people who were either citizens, they had U.S. passports or had a green card, were permanent residents of the U.S. And the, the customs and border patrol agents standing there were not just asking questions that were out of line, but were truly nasty about it and really mean to people. Uh, you know, what are you doing here? What, what's your purpose in this country? And I'm not done with you. And, you know, pointing them over to get their bags inspected. And meanwhile, my girlfriend and I are walking towards them and we're white and they just wave us through. Mm. Mm. And so I think it speaks to a cultural problem with culture, with, uh, Customs and Border Patrol, not yeah. just this radius that they have to deal with, but right. they had a clear issue with people entering this country from another. Hmm. Wow, Rob, I, I really appreciate the call and uh, and your explanation of, of what you saw. Um, Monica, I wonder if you could talk briefly about what you think some of the solutions are to what we're seeing here. Yeah, of course, Stephen. So I think I can split that off in two ways. So I think first at the national level and then um, some recommendations at the local level. And so I think at the national level, as I said earlier, we we have to call on this administration to fundamentally reform the agency. As everyone who's called today um, has shown is that we need a reduction in Border Patrol agents. They're um, being abusive here in the Detroit sector and other areas. And so we really need to reform the agency and we also got to get rid of these uh, outdated regulations uh, to limit the Border Patrol uh, to the immediate bordering to get them out of our communities. Um, and then at the local level, based on the data that we saw, uh, state and local law enforcement agencies need to end their entanglement with Border Patrol. There is absolutely no reason why a uh, local uh, police um, should be involved with uh, Border Patrol at all. There's no reason why they should be doing federal immigration um, enforcement. And they also need to end discriminatory policing practices. Um, for example, what, uh, when it comes to the translation services I said I was talking about earlier, again, there, there's no reason why uh, state and local law enforcement agencies uh, shouldn't have access to internal and ind- independent translation services instead of calling Border Patrol. Um, and then another solution that we call for in the report is to going back to pre-2008 and restoring uh, driver's licenses for all. Um, and that simply would make law enforcement's job immensely easier for identification purposes. If one of the reasons that uh, local law enforcement agencies are fighting for calling Border Patrol. Let's fix that. Let's get everyone driver's licenses. Um, and local law enforcement agencies should be able to identify a Michigan driver's license. And then I think finally, 
which points to what everyone is talking about. We need to know what's going on. We can't hold governments accountable and these agencies accountable if we don't have the data. And so we need to establish comprehensive public data collection processes mm-hmm. uh, uh, processes to ensure that transparency and that there is accountability with an agency like this. Yeah. Okay, Monica Andrade, attorney with the ACLU of Michigan. It was great to have you here for this conversation. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Stephen. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk with Chica Dalmia about her new piece in The Week, which argues that Biden has very, very few good choices on immigration, so he might as well just concentrate on making the right choices. Stay with us for more Detroit Today. Detroit Today.